When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. And I'm Kevin McClendon, and I'm afraid I have a confession to make to you today, Wade. Okay. Uh, while you were sleeping, I implanted a small bomb into the back of your neck, and it will explode if you ever do something that I don't want you to do. Oh, wow. That's, that's crazy, because I, I placed a small bomb at the base of your neck as well, Kevin, and if we disagree on a review... You'll actually blow up. Oh, man. I, it's a Mexican standoff with neck bombs. I knew this day was coming. Listeners, today we are reviewing the new film from James Gunn, The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with the 2016 film called Suicide Squad. <laughs> we also have listener feedback to share on our episode 300 from last week, plus an announcement of a new patron-only offering coming up. So don't miss that here on episode 301 of Seeing and Believing. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't- Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission went more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? Listeners, we are here with episode 301 of Seeing and Believing. And Kevin, there's a lot riding on the word the today. Without it, we're reviewing the 2016 film Suicide Squad. With it, we're reviewing the new film released this past weekend from James Gunn. The Suicide Squad. So we can't we can't mix that up this week. Yeah, not since the episode of The Simpsons where Sideshow Bob gets out of prison has a definite article been such a big deal hmm. in pop culture. I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> I agree with you. And we're just going to go with it. Listeners, we're going to be talking about The Suicide Squad. A, I don't know if you'd say it's like a reboot or a sequel or a spiritual successor to the 2016 film, but it is something. It is set in the same universe, and some of the same characters are present in this film. First, Kevin, I want to take an opportunity to thank all of our Patreon supporters. We celebrated episode 300 last week, and we couldn't have done it without our supporters. We got a lot of great perks we give to those supporters, and one of those is actually going to be released here in the next week. We're reviewing the new Disney film, Jungle Cruise. Only our patrons can hear our thoughts on that movie, Kevin. It's it's going to be a wild journey. It really is. Oh, I, I was really hoping that you would say it would be a wild ride. Hmm. Considering, hmm. you know, Jungle Cruise, but you know, yeah. it, it, this 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 bus only goes in one direction. We are obviously live right now, so there's no going back and and 
doing having a redo. Mm, no, no. I hope everyone's wearing their masts. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to do a mast boat joke, and it didn't. It didn't fly, Kevin. It didn't sail. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, good enough. Good enough. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll call it a draw. Listeners, you can hop on over to our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast a lot of different donation levels one of our favorites is the what can you buy for five dollar level you'll get to actually hear the jungle cruise review if you are a five dollar patron it's really wonderful and kevin it begs the question besides a journey through the amazon what could someone buy for five bucks Five bucks would get you a double-sided spoon if you think that it's a design flaw that one side of a spoon is convex and the other side is concave, meaning that you can't scoop with with both sides of a spoon. Well, you could get one that has the concave side on both ends. It's Hmm. a little bit harder to get into your mouth, though. Wow. I've never seen that. I do want to see it. It's only $5. It seems like something Dwayne The Rock Johnson would have as a gimmick on his scooter, on his boat in the Jungle Cruise. So that's really great. Listeners, hop on over to our Patreon page. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. Regardless of whether or not you do uh, give your $5 to us or to the Double Sided Spoon Company, we do really appreciate all our listeners who listen to us faithfully and sometimes even share their own thoughts with us. Wade, last week was, of course, our big 300th episode spectacular, and we heard from listener Christy Olson. Christy's a longtime listener of the show. She tweeted us to say, congrats on 300 episodes. I've listened to them all. Been listening for six years, I think. I've learned about a lot of amazing films I would otherwise have never known about. So thank you for sharing your passion and insights Here's to 300 more. Thanks so much for the well wishes, Christy. It, it does our hearts good to, to know that, you know, there are listeners kind of coming along with us on the journey of discovery uh, through films week in and week out. So listeners like you are the reason we do the show. So thanks again for listening. And yeah, here's to 300 more, Wade. I, I am just, I'm very impressed. I just very much appreciate that she has listened to all of our episodes. L- little known fact in the Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn is captured and she's tortured. And one of the the like the tortures they do is they make her listen to all of our Seeing and Believing episodes. So, Christy, thanks for doing that. And I hope you're doing okay. I hope your ears are okay. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. Well, speaking of the Suicide Squad, we're going to jump into our review directed by James Gunn. This new iteration of the Suicide Squad story is, as I mentioned before, a spiritual sequel of sorts from the 2016 film. Here's the movie's official synopsis. The government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn, and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Cordo Maltese. Armed with high-tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search-and-destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. The film stars John Cena, Margot Robbie, the voice of Sylvester Stallone, Idris Elba, and Joel Kinnaman. 
Kevin, I have seen the 2016 film, and it is as bad as everyone says it is. So there's really not much room to fall further than that film. So I had mild expectations for this movie because you can't fall much further than the 2016 movie. My question to get us started is, did you see the previous film? I know you have seen James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy movies. How does this one compare to his usual fare? And did you find yourself caught up in a story full of anti-heroes and very, very bloody villains <laughs> well that's that's a lot of a lot of questions to to kick us off so i guess i'll kind of go in order i have not seen the 2016 suicide squad oh, good. <laughs> reputation has just been it, it's so radioactive that i figured you know what it, it's just probably not worth the time so i did not uh bother with that film before and even you know considering should i watch it to do homework for this film i decided you know what i don't need to do homework anymore because I'm in my 30s. So that when that idea went out the window, um, I do like uh, James Gunn's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies. OK, um, the second one, definitely more than the first one. In fact, I'd probably say the Guardians of the Galaxy part two is maybe my favorite of the of the MCU. If I had to pick a favorite, it would probably oh, be wow. that one. And um, I would say that this new film, The Suicide Squad, is maybe the best uh, superhero movie I've seen since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I I enjoyed this film quite a bit. Um, I think what I appreciate about Gunn's approach is there's just the sense of possibility with his films that... I don't really get from most of the big superhero blockbusters these days. I feel like even even when they're pretty good, they're just there's a level of predictability and a sense that, you know, the the apple cart isn't going to get uh, jostled too much. There's not going to be a whole lot of coloring outside the lines. We kind of it's it's a known quantity at this point when you buy a ticket for a Marvel movie or a Batman movie or, or what have you. I feel like. With James Gunn's films, though, uh, regardless of their their overall quality, I do feel like the experience of sitting down and watching it is I don't really know as much what I'm in for. And I think that uh, that sense of uncertainty, of novelty, the, the fact that uh, there are surprises in his superhero films is something that's sadly all too rare with superhero movies this, these days, so... It was nice to see that uh, come through in in this film, especially given the the low bar that was set by by the original one. So, yeah, we can get into specifics a little bit more, but I would say that on balance, I, I had a good time with the Suicide Squad. I'm curious to know what you thought, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You answered all of my questions. That was good, and, and I think in order too. So there you go. No, I there's some things I really like about this movie. There are a couple things that I, that I really don't like. I almost think are problematic about the film, but I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. And I, and I kind of did. I think it's, it's pretty entertaining. It's kind of gross. I don't really get a lot of the over the top violence. I will say it, it's so over the top. It's almost cartoonish. So it's dis it's detached from 
any sort of realism. And I think that helps it helps me stomach it a, a bit more. But I love that word you use, possibility. Going into this movie and, and just kind of watching it, I'm thinking about all the characters and the only one that feels safe, at least in my opinion, as I'm watching this movie, the only character that feels safe is Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. And I know they're really not going to do too much to her because she has so much potential in future movies. Anything can happen to any one of the characters. And we get some wild twists and turns. And it just feels, it feels unexpected. And it, it, it heightens the overall tension of the movie because we just don't know if one of our favorite members of the squad is going to be not just killed, but mutilated, Kevin. And I, I think that helps with the movie. But yeah, I I like this a little bit more. And I thought it was going to be funnier. And it is funny. What I, what I wasn't prepared for is the fleshed out characters and some of the connections between those characters. It actually kind of surprised me a little bit, Kevin, but there are some, some semi-emotional moments here. Yeah. There's um, one of the things that I, that I'm thinking of when I talk about gun coloring outside the lines is that he takes a lot of the, the conventions of this kind of story and he, he plays with them. There's, I, I think there's a lot of wit to the directing and the writing in this picture to give just one example uh so idris elba's character he plays a character named Bloodsport, and he's kind of you know one of these assassin characters you know every any object in his hand is a deadly weapon that kind of spiel we get at the very beginning and uh you know the action kind of kicks off uh with uh viola davis's amanda waller you know using pressure on him to to get him to join the suicide squad on its latest mission and uh she does this through his daughter and we have this scene where you know the daughters you know at the visiting hours at the prison and you know they're they're talking with the pain of glass between them they're talking through the phones and you kind of expect this to be sort of like oh you know he's an assassin with a heart of gold he's really close with his daughter she's the only thing in the entire world that he cares about etc etc we've all seen this movie before and in fact i think uh i obviously i haven't seen the 2016 suicide squad but if i remember from what other people have said about it that's kind of the way will smith's Deadshot uh has he has some sort of vibe like that in in that film and there's you know it's it's a well-worn trope so it's a real fun surprise where they where uh elba's character and his daughter uh, spends most of their phone call uh, at the visiting hours just screaming obscenities at each other. And they're not that close. And he he basically tells her she was a mistake. And it's just, it's it's a small thing. And he it later on is revealed that, you know, maybe there's a little bit more heart under uh, Bloodsport's exterior than we were initially led to believe. But just Gunn's willingness to kind of just not go on the well-worn path you know not just do whatever he can to get through all the exposition to get to the good stuff so that we have you know a character who we can kind of sympathize with and care about he's less interested in that than in kind of just doing interesting things and i think overall with this film 
he succeeds more often than he doesn't. I think there are, as as the film gets on towards its ending, it loses the thread a little bit and it kind of becomes a little bit more conventional, maybe a little bit less interesting. But for the most part, he just, he really is good at zigging where we expect him to zag. And, uh, you know, again, like after seeing umpteen Marvel movies that kind of just all have the same basic structure. It's nice to see uh, a film that, you know, can still do things with the camera and with the editing and just with the characterization to, to kind of, you know, jolt you out of your seat and like remind you, Oh yeah, it's, it's fun to be surprised by a story. Yeah. And he, his character the relationship between his character and his daughter is seen through another character in the film. And it's really this ingenious way to get down to the nuts and bolts of that relationship, his desire to repair it without actually showing the real daughter very often in the film. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty smart and it, it offers some, some pretty neat moments throughout this throughout the movie i also like the way that gun will show us a scene and then cut back eight minutes a few days and we get to see another side of the story and it it's a it's a nice way of mixing together all of these sort of superhero fights without having to cross cut between all of them and i think that kind of heightens the story it heightens the mystery and it kept me it kept me intrigued he does that towards the the last part of the movie and it's i think it's pretty effective he also does it at the start of the movie and it's um it's pretty it's pretty effective i do also like how his willingness to make a twist or do something unexpected mirrors the characters in this movie. They are still villains. They're still a bit deranged. Harley Quinn at this point is kind of seen as, uh, she's like this anti-hero, right? And this movie gives her an opportunity to be likable while at the same time, uh, she's still she's still Harley Quinn, and so I appreciate how Gunn conceives of that and kind of brings it about. I'll also say too, I wrote this down while I was watching the movie. Every character in the Suicide Squad, and even some of the side characters outside of the Suicide Squad, are pretty fleshed out. We really get to know them. We get to know what motivates them. We get to we get to know their fears. There's uh, one character he's the he's the polka dot man and there are a couple of shots i don't want to give it away but but we we see his we see what's driving him we see some of the anger some of the resentment some of the sadness visually and it, it's it's not even that that takes up a ton of the film but it fully fleshes out its his character in in a very intriguing and, and humorous way. And, and really, I think almost every character gets that. Every character gets that moment or those moments when we learn a little bit more about them. And so at the end of the movie, it's not it's not as if the film says, Hey, 
you know, these characters are are bad, but they really have hearts of gold. We see that across the movie. We see that transformation, that revelation across the film. We do get that big metaphor moment at the very end. Um, a character basically says the metaphor, uh, and I wrote <laughs> down in caps, the metaphor for the Suicide Squad. But it is earned, at least in my opinion. I, you know, I do think that moment is earned. It's, it's very on the nose, but it, the, the moment is sold by the directing and, and the performances, the, the character who kind of has this, this flashback at the climax that, you know, spills out the theme in giant neon letters, you know, that's it, that character and the actor's performance really sell it. And that's kind of really all that matters is less like, you know, is something super subtle or is it obvious? It's more like, well, if it's obvious, does it at least, does it land thanks to the employment of the, uh, all the things that we, we love about movies? You know, if, if we see it coming, that's fine. As long as we feel like it's, it's actually the, the film has done something to, to get us to that point or isn't manipulating us un, unduly. And I think that, that that moment you mentioned really works out well, and I think I just think overall there's a lot of kinship between this movie and say the films of Paul Verhoeven, where again uh, a movie like say RoboCop is not a complex movie necessarily on its face. You know, it's it's an action movie, it's outrageously violent, and yet uh, Verhoeven finds ways to uh, really you know, say, say things of, of import besides just, you know, big action sequences are cool. And he also finds little grace notes for, uh, his actors to play, uh, in the lulls between action sequences that really do make it something special. I don't think that the Suicide Squad is on the level of something like RoboCop. I think RoboCop is maybe one of the best action movies of the, of the eighties. It's just, fantastic i think it's great um but i do think the suicide squad does do a lot of things right and is kind of in the same outrageously gory anarchic yet sneakily smart spirit yeah and i i yeah no i think that i think that's a good way to put it i i do want to talk about the violence in the movie and i mentioned it was a bit cartoonish and a bit over the top I, I I didn't really I wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, just just the initial gut reaction. I think that there are <laughs> gut reaction. Yeah, the gut, I see what you did yeah, there. Yeah, just to kind of spill spill my intestines. Um, I I wasn't a huge fan of it, and I think part of it I think part of it does work. Uh, there's a sequence with Harley Quinn where she's attacking a group of individuals, and in you see a little bit of blood, but instead of blood you see like these flower petals and i think it's this interesting visualization and you can take it as a metaphor for whatever you can or you could just see it as as this gleefulness she receives whenever she hurts individuals and it's another opportunity to get into her psyche she's still in a sense a a a protagonist here but she's also unhinged there were other moments when I felt like the film and its violence worked against the like the big idea of the movie. And so 
early on, you see individuals sort of betting on which uh, members of the Suicide Squad will survive, which will die. You see certain members of the squad being used uh, offhandedly, their lives being thrown away. And the, the message here is that there's this, this government who's just kind of throwing away lives at, at whim. But then in the film, we get to see just, I don't know, these, these soldiers, these individuals who are on the wrong side, but they're just kind of doing their job and they're getting destroyed in a number of different creative and unique ways. And so some of that stuff doesn't really work for me. And I think that the film gets a little too lost in the gleefulness at that uh, in those times. Um, but there are other times when I'm like, okay, yeah, like this is, this is done with such skill and it's done so over the top that morally I think it's fine. Other times I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair critique to make that the movie has a way of picking and choosing when it wants to treat its, its violence seriously. And when it kind of just wants to make things go splat and have the audience kind of jump and laugh. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's fair. It's not entirely consistent. And I think that's maybe where, when, when I mentioned it in, at the beginning of this review that it does kind of feel like the movie loses the thread a bit towards the end. I think that's kind of what I mean where all of a sudden it takes a turn for the serious where it, it almost feels like the characters grow a conscience and the movie grows a conscience at the same time. And it the, that seems a little bit convenient in terms of just kind of, it, it's the one part of the movie I think where I felt like Gunn was, was, um, stacking the deck or, or trying to manipulate the audience because it in in one sense you know he's got kind of this this gory action movie where it is kind of about the wit the, the visual wit that he can bring to the various ways that the squad dispatches their adversaries and the way that comments both on their status as basically psychopaths and also their status as extensions of the United States government. A big uh, point of this movie is uh, there's a, at one point the squad kind of just tears through this encampment of soldiers. And later on, a, a character is, is angry with them. It's like, oh, that's typical Americans. You just come and you just blow everything up and then you kind of just say sorry afterwards. And I think that that's, that's a really interesting note for the movie to play. And if it just kind of left it at that, I would have. I would have thought that that was a pretty strong choice. Later on in the film, it kind of gun goes back and sort of double underlines and circles it and stars it uh, in a way that I feel like is something that maybe isn't as earned. Uh, where you know the the overall theme that we mentioned in that flashback that feels earned. The point where he really tries to to lean on the the political subtext. Well, it's not even really subtext. It's just you know, bold-faced text, uh, it, it feels a little bit like, okay, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You want to have a a fun, gory action movie on one hand, but you also kind of want to be a serious-minded commentary on political realities on the other. Uh, do, they, do they fit all that 
well together. I don't think they do. It's mercifully like, you know, it's not the greater part of the film. It's kind of a, a smaller portion, but that's the point in the film where I kind of felt my felt it losing me a little bit and kind of wished that uh, Gunn had maybe resisted that impulse a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got these ideals that are talked about and then it's like, LOL, check out this shark chewing on someone's head. Uh, just a, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just this soldier who got out of bed and, and was ordered to do something. I, I, yeah, it is kind of uh, fascinating to think about all of that. And I do wish that the film had leaned a little bit less into this dark, very adult superhero aesthetic. I think there are a couple of things in the movie that um, that could have been X'd out and in my opinion elevated the movie but for what it is and for what it's trying to do and the way that it develops characters i found it to be i found it to be a pretty entertaining movie and it, it's hard when you just talk about like feelings and emotions when you're watching a movie but with a lot of these films you get to the end and it's just like well yeah we know it's going to happen this big fight and you just I, I personally just get a little bored with it uh, here, I never really found myself doing that. So in that sense, I think the, the film um, succeeded on, on a number of different levels. Yeah, and it's also important to stress that this is a, a quite a funny movie. Like, you know, I, I think about comparing this to, say, the Deadpool movies, which is also, you know, an R-rated superhero movie that kind of makes a big deal of sort of tweaking the nose a little bit of superhero conventions. And I I don't like the Deadpool movies at all. I think they're they're really juvenile, and I think they're an example of movies where the violence is purely there to titillate. The jokes are all kind of variations on Deadpool says a naughty word, and then we all snigger along like teenage boys. I just I don't think there's a whole lot of wit to the Deadpool movies. And I think Suicide Squad, it kind of is cut from the same cloth in a lot of the ways in terms of violence and kind of its its uh its overall sensibility as part of the superhero genre, but it's a lot smarter than that, and the writing is just so much better. And Gunn's ability to use the camera to suggest things is is just really great. That scene I mentioned earlier where the squad just tears through an encampment of soldiers, the, it's done mostly wordlessly, and there's kind of this, this uh, murder-off between Bloodsport and John Cena's character, uh, Peacekeeper, and they're both just kind of competing to see who can get most creatively shoot a person and it gets more and more heightened over time and you know it is obviously really violent and and r-rated but it's also the way gun frames all of the action is you know moving his camera so that pieces of information get revealed at the right moment as a punchline would be i think that's the mark of a good kind of a violent superhero movie and yeah, I don't know. I think if, if that's your thing, there, you'll find a lot to like in, in this movie. Yeah, and I think just visually, he suggests a number of things. But visually, too, there's just a lot of fascinating and nice images to look at as we go throughout this film. And the way, too, that he'll play with some of the tropes and even use the camera to do that, I think works fairly well. There's this one scene towards the end where a character is, is falling through the floor and they fall and they hit a level and then that level falls and then that level falls. And it's just this, 
you don't see that in MCU films. There, there's this level of humor there, and he's also poking fun at the way that we construct superhero movies today. And so I found it uh, to be, yeah, m- mostly decent. I, I, I like the movie. Listeners, The Suicide Squad is now currently playing in theaters. It's also streaming on HBO Max. You can check it out today. If you have seen the film, we would love for you to tweet us at CBeliefPod, at CBeliefPod on Twitter, or email us seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Once again, that's seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. And let us know your thoughts. We'd love to read them on the air. Kevin, we've reached the end of our episode, and this is the point in the show where we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend today? Uh, well, you know, we we went that entire review of the Suicide Squad without talking about the fact that kind of the 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 overall plot is kind of about this. You know, it, it surrounds this the secret scientific project about a a being from outer space, and that that's all I'm going to say about it. But there's kind of an element, almost of of cosmic of, of cosmic horror, kind of Lovecraftian almost when we get to that big action climax with this alien life form. And that was making me think of of just Lovecraft in general and what I think is maybe the only good film adaptation of one of Lovecraft's stories. I'm thinking of the 2005 adaptation of The Call of Cthulhu, directed by Andrew Lehman. And I mean, this is one reason I think this is the only good adaptation of Lovecraft's work is that it's intentionally a throwback. It's a silent adaptation and it's very much made in a way that mimics not just the silence of the silent films, but also just the the look in terms of the film stock, the special effects. All of it is meant to be this throwback to uh, an, an old school film where we can't hear what the characters are saying. We can't hear any screams. We can't hear the monsters making sounds. And somehow that silence is even creepier than you know actually hearing things would be, um, and I yeah I think it's it's just a great substitute for stories that are about unknowable horrors from beyond uh, Earth. Uh, that seems like a really fitting way to treat one of those stories, and if you can track it down and see it, I highly recommend it. It was on Netflix streaming at one time. I don't think it is anymore, but so it might take some work to to track down. But if you can, I think it's a really rewarding watch, and it's only like an hour long. So 2005's The Call of Cthulhu is my recommendation for this week. Oh, it's a good recommendation. I haven't seen it, but it, it definitely sounds fascinating and, and definitely connects to the movie that we're we're talking about. So I'm going to recommend a film from, actually it's a series from the MCU. So I'm sticking with the superhero uh, aesthetic. We are going from DC to MCU. I've talked negatively about some MCU films during this review, but I thought that the series, the new series from Michael Waldron, Loki, uh, was actually pretty well done. So this follows, of course, Tom Hiddleston's character, Loki, and what makes the series unique is that instead of following him on various uh, adventures as he seeks to overthrow Asgard or take over the world, we actually see him in 
the world behind the world, a place where time and variations and multiverses are either created or squashed. And it's a fascinating take on the Marvel story. It also finds a way to bring Loki back from the dead. We saw him uh, killed in Avengers Infinity War. I thought this series was, was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And I think if our listeners are wanting something different from the MCU, uh, this is this is one of those shows that they'll probably probably enjoy. It's not going to be for everybody. It's a little different. It is a little weird, but uh, I found it to be entertaining. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of surprising to me that the Loki TV series, like it took them this long to make something uh, that centers on arguably a fan favorite character like Loki. So. Uh, I haven't seen it because I don't have Disney Plus, but of the Disney Plus Marvel shows, it's been the one that sounds the most interesting to me. Yeah, you know, I still like WandaVision, I think, the most, but this one is just so unique and creative. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a fun one. I I thought that uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of wobbled a little bit towards the ending, but uh, it was a little more straightforward than than WandaVision and, and Loki. Listeners, that is our episode this week. We want to thank all of you for listening. And if you are a Patreon supporter, go ahead and jump on over to our page. You should see here pretty soon our review of The Jungle Cruise. That's just for you. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. It's brought to you by ChristandPopCulture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLenathan. And until next time, this is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later. You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0.